what do I do if I'm trying to DIY this thing? The first thing I would do is say a prayer, honestly. <laughs> the Medicare gods. Hello, everyone. This is Matt Ferret, author of Prepare for Medicare and Prepare for Social Security Insiders Guidebooks and Online Course Training Series. Welcome to another episode of The Matt Ferret Show, where I interview insiders and experts to help light a path to successful living in midlife, retirement, and beyond. Olivia, welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning. Like, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Um, I actually was looking at some of your other series and other the shows that you've had. You have a lot of really intelligent people on here. So I'm really excited to be um, asked on today and really um, honored for sure. Well, thanks. That's really nice of you. Let me just clarify. I have a lot of intelligent guests. <laughs> that's what you meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I again, you and I have gotten to work with each other in the past and I'm really excited today to kind of roll up our sleeves and talk shop. I know you are incredibly knowledgeable in a lot of this stuff as well. So it's not really often you get to talk to people who are excited about Medicare and excited about insurance. So I'm really excited today to be able to do that. Well, that's awesome. And yeah, so this is going to be a special kind of 2023-2024 Medicare edition, you know, mm -hmm. released separately. And so let's let me start with my normal question. Uh, tell everybody what you do, how long you've been doing it and how you help people. Sure. Um, so my name is Olivia Richardson. I'm currently serving as the Vice President of Corporate Alliances at Senior Marketing Specialist. We're an insurance brokerage. We have uh, about 10,000 agents across the entire United States. And I've personally gotten to work with almost all of them. Um, I measure my time here by AEPs, which we're currently going through right now. And so I, this will be my 11th AEP in the industry. So I've kind of seen, we've been going through a huge, we'll get into it, lots of changes. And so I've got to kind of see the the evolution of what's been going on uh, throughout the last 11 years with, with Medicare. My primary focus and what I've done to kind of get excited and passionate about this topic because again you don't talk to a lot of people who who enjoy the research but um my primary job here at senior marketing specialist has been to train advisors my role and, and what i want to do is i always want to make sure that mom, dad, brother, sister, grandma, grandpa, that everybody's able to get access to healthcare. And the way that I found I've been able to accomplish that on the mass scale has been to train the advisors and make sure advisors really know how to best serve beneficiaries and how to best serve their clients. So that's where I've been able to focus a majority of my time is by training better advisors. And like I said, it's my 11th AEP doing so, and I've really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, so this is the annual election period or the AEP. And yeah. even sometimes Medicare messes up and calls it the OEP, the open yes. enrollment period. It's not. Yes. But basically, yes. it's the time period between October 1st and then October 15th to December 7th, where people can make changes to their Medicare coverage. Not mm -hmm. all of it necessarily, but a lot of it. And in my books, um, I have this little section, actually, it's a chapter in the end called annual housekeeping. And that's my way of saying, mm -hmm. okay, not only do you have to make your decision first, but you know, what you may have picked at age 65 or 67, or whenever you went on Medicare may not be what you need at age exactly. 72 or 75. So, um, talk to me about what that time period, what people should be doing during this time period. Well, it's interesting that you say, and, and I agree with you, it's, you know, what you picked at 65 may not be what you need at 72. 
th- this year, what you picked at 75 or 65 may not be the same plan you needed at 66. Uh, this time of year, obviously, because with Medicare Advantage plans and prescription drug plans, you have to have special circumstances to switch during the year. And there are not a ton of these circumstances available to majority of people out there. So this time of the year is really your only chance, you know, without talking into OEP, is really your only chance to review your plans, review your medications, review your lifestyle changes, and to make sure that that plan's still going to work for you the following year because you're going to be stuck with it uh, for the you know the next 365 days. And you have about an eight-week period, um, not including the kind of the looking period, the first two weeks, October 1st through the 14th. You don't really have a lot of time. There's Christmas, there's Thanksgiving, there's a ton of other holidays in there. And that time frame is really busy for everybody. You got a lot going on. So it goes way more quickly than when a lot of people anticipate. So it's really important that you get in there early, talk to experts early, do your research early so that you're not left, you know, December 6th saying, oh man, I, I haven't even started looking at this stuff yet because it can get overwhelming pretty quickly. Yeah. And that's a good distinction you made too. So when, when mm-hmm. I said it a little earlier before, I kind of flew right by it, but you pulled right. it back. So October 1st is mm-hmm. when insurance companies and really insurance agents are allowed to talk about the benefits and what they may be and the types sure. of plans for the next year. Mm-hmm. This is called between the 1st and the 14th is basically the time you can market it, advertise it, talk mm-hmm. about it, but you mm-hmm. can't buy anything. You can't actually enroll in anything as a consumer. Starting October 15th, that's the first day that you can actually begin to enroll in something effective January 1st. And that ends, sure. you know, at midnight on the 7th of December. Sure. So sure. You, there, there's, there's time and planning to your point. There is, the, there is a little small window and it's not even, yeah. it doesn't even start on October 1st because you can't buy anything until mm-hmm. the 15th. Something sure. happens before then though. That's mm-hmm. really important, right? For consumers. And that's at the end of September. What is mm-hmm. that? So at the end of September, age or consumers will start to get letters called ANOCs. They're called annual notices of change. Um, so in the industry, we try not to use jargon, but everything is hyphenated and abbreviated. So they're known as ANOCs. But what these annual change letter reviews are is basically a letter explaining to the client, hey, these are the changes coming to your plan this year. And it's several pages long. There's a lot of verbiage to it. It's a lot of numbers. And it honestly kind of looks like trash, kind of looks like junk mail. So a lot of people will throw it away or just breeze over it and really don't pay attention to it. But it's a really important notification to let you know what you should be expecting from your plan come January 1st. So if I get this big thing in the mail, uh, does it come in email? Um, some carriers you can like, you know, elect to get your stuff via email. That carry that uh, option is not really heavily utilized. So majority of the time, and honestly, all the time, it is going to come in a mail format. Okay. So I get this big stack of paper that I don't want to read. What should I read if I don't want to read the whole thing? Or what should I breeze through? What should I be looking for? Yeah. What If you're going to rely, and this is if, again, you have a couple options when you do receive this letter. If you are wanting to be self-sufficient and you're a strong, independent beneficiary, you do have the option to kind of review the information on yourself. And if you do want to go that route, then there are portions of the ANOC letter that'll basically look like a summary of benefits. We'll say, here's what your hospital copay is going to be this year. Here's what your premiums are going to be this year. But it does exclude a lot of the information like formularies and things like that per provider directories. There are things that are not going to be included in that letter that you really do need to make sure you know to make an educated choice come AEP. The other route is honestly one that I 
typically recommend, and that is to be paired up or to work with an advisor who is able to look at that plan, explain to you, and by an advisor, I mean an insurance agent, um, yep. but somebody who is able to look at those changes. They're able to look at your prescriptions. They're able to look at formularies, your providers, and make sure that everything that's included on that piece of paper, but then everything that's not to make sure all of that is considered when shopping for a new plan. So I'm pro agent, obviously with my job, my lifestyle, but I've seen what happens when people don't involve an agent. You don't know what you don't know. I mean, Medicare can be incredibly confusing when you start adding these letters, when you start adding carrier advertisements, it's not an easy maze to navigate. And so to have somebody there who's experienced, who is unbiased and can give you real advice about what you should look at, at least going into uh, the next plan year, is worth having that guide. And I say this in my book and elsewhere, mm -hmm. if you're on a Medicare Advantage plan or you have a standalone Medicare Part D prescription drug plan, your plan will change every year. Yes. Something will change. There mm -hmm. is, I've never seen an example of any insurance product in those two lines that doesn't change. Premium, mm -hmm. benefits, formulary, provider networks, mm -hmm. dental, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, right? So mm -hmm. for everybody out there listening, you're going to get, you're going to get something in the mail. You're not going to want to read it. You're going to put it on your counter next to your fridge and stare at it for mm -hmm. a while. And you're going to put other mail on top of it. That's the one you got to read and you got to yeah. open it up. Yes. But Olivia, to your point, it's not all of that's in there. So if, mm -hmm. if I'm DIYing this myself, uh, what else do I need? What else do I need to do? Do I need to go on my carrier's website and check the provider directory, see if my docs are still on? Sure. Do I go yeah. on Medicare.gov and type in my my new prescriptions if I've had them? Like, what do I do if I'm trying to DIY this thing? If you're trying to DIY it, the first thing I would do is say a prayer, honestly. <laughs> Um, and and to to your point, things do change. Sometimes the changes are for the better. Sometimes the benefits right. are better. They get richer, but a lot of times they're not. So there are tools and resources out there. If you are somebody that's wanting to, again, DIY it to be able to do this on their own. Um, again, Medicare.gov is a consumer facing tool that does have some excellent resources. You can put in your list of medications. You can put in um, sometimes the providers in there. The problem with Medicare.gov is that Unfortunately, even though it is a government associated website, it's not always the most accurate and there's not a whole lot of accountability to ensure that it's accurate. If you make an enrollment on there and, and the information either is inaccurate or changes and you aren't notified of those changes, then there's really all you have to do at that point. I mean, you call 1-800-MEDICARE, which is a call center located in Louisiana um, because, you know, because the cost of living is lower there so they can pay their people lower there. So the, you're calling that that call center and somebody's following a script to try to help you and navigate you through what mistakes were made or, or not made. So, um, so again, there are tools out there. Medicare.gov is one of them. Carrier websites, they are are um, incredibly helpful if you're wanting to go ahead and see, is my hospital still a network? Is my specialist still a network? You absolutely um, should be using those tools. But if you're doing that, then you're still kind of focusing in on what you currently have. If you were to do this on your own, then you might want to be able to use resources like you'd have to use multiple websites to really compare plans to make sure that you're on the one that fits your lifestyle and fits your budget. Yep. You're right, and the and the do it yourself, the DIY piece, it, it's possible. It just sure, it's it's tough. It's uh, and it I'm not not continually going back to my book, but I'll I will here. It's uh, well, it's a good book, so you should. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, you can do it. 
Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, when you, um, you know, you open up, if you live in a city and you go, what Medicare Advantage options do I have? You're going to pull up 60. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Which, how do I start? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you, you know, I get, even in rural areas, you pull up a Medicare Part D plan, you're going to have 30. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Which one do I do? Um, mm-hmm. And um, so, all right. Let me move into the next piece, right? So there are, there are three ways to consume your Medicare insurance, right? The mm-hmm. first way is I call bear with Medicare. You mm-hmm. just keep on, you stay on original Medicare parts A and B, the red, white, and blue card. And you have to buy a, a standalone Medicare part D prescription drug plan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to buy that from an insurance company because there isn't a federal default option that's always right. sold by an insurance company and the next i always way call to do that it, medicare part you i heard that um <laughs> it was actually dan mangus who's really well known in the industry says the, the it's a b d and U because you're paying the rest of it that's which funny. i always it's a really clever way to remember that <laughs> yep yep i like that one so bear with medicare or mm-hmm. medicare plus you that's that's funny mm-hmm. um either which way right you've got original medicare plus sure. and the second way is the same version except you add a medicare supplement plan on that and i'm going to save medicare supplements to the end of our conversation for a couple of reasons, which will become apparent. And then the third way is to buy kind of that all-in-one combo plan, i.e. Medicare Advantage, where you've Mm -hmm. got your A and B benefits rolled into D benefits all in this thing called Medicare Part C. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, Medicare Part C, the Medicare Advantage, those are the ones that I say change every year without fail. They're a 12-month calendar period, right? They start, your benefits start on 1-1, they end on 12-31. If you do nothing, it just rolls over into the next plan of the year, right? right? If it, if it changes, if it goes up, if it goes down, if it gets better, if it gets worse, whatever. If you don't do anything during the AEP, you just keep getting what you're getting. Sure. Same with Part D, right? 1-1 one, one to 12-31. If you do nothing, whatever they tell you, if the benefits go up, they go down, right? The, 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 uh, your drug is on the formulary, not on the formulary. Your premium goes up, your premium goes down, whatever. If you do nothing, it will just roll over. So there is a do nothing option here. Mm-hmm. However, there are changes that are made, as I said, to both of those programs every year, but there are also changes to the way Medicare themselves make companies change their benefits. Sure. And those are changing every year. So let me start with Medicare Advantage first, since I think sure. right now half the Medicare population is on a Medicare Advantage. Let's go there. Yeah. What big changes are being made either by the carrier or enforced or t- being told to the carriers from Medicare are happening that aren't getting much press and may be surprising to people. Right, right. So I'd start off with saying in the past three to maybe in five years, we've seen Medicare Advantage plans remain actually really stable. And so people who are having these conversations about like, you know, do I need a shop? They may not be used to actually having to do a lot of research, may not have to been previously used to doing a whole lot of shopping. That's going to be pretty different this year. This year, there's we're expecting a ton of market shakeup, a ton of benefits going up and benefits going down for people. So this year, why is there so much shakeup? There's a, a several different reasons for that. Number one, Medicare Advantage plans and prescription drug plans, a lot of the funding for those plans come from CMS, Centers of Medicare and Medicaid Services. This year, going into 2024, um, previous years we saw the funding just increase and increase. CMS kept giving these, these carriers and these plans more dollars to play with. This year we saw it actually take a significant step back. They didn't get near the funding that they had previously and near the funding that they had expected. So we're seeing where the, you know, we have to remember these companies, these insurance companies, 
they are for profit. Their number one is concern is to is to make money at the end of the day. So they're not going to eat those costs. They're going to make sure they're adjusting those benefits to where they're still able to hopefully remain profitable at the end of the day. And those benefits are going to be consumed by the end consumer, um, the beneficiary. So some of the things that we're seeing, um, some major changes, I'll start with Medicare Advantage plans. Number one, you're going to see some investments in the shiny, I know that's kind of what you and I referred to it as earlier. We're going to see some investment in the shiny stuff and maybe some some detrimental stuff happening to the actual health and benefits. And we call them the secondary benefits. By secondary benefits, I'm talking about those benefits that don't show up on your Medicare card or don't show up on your insurance card. You know, you have your copay for your doctor, ER copay, things like that. What I'm talking about, things that you might see take some significant increases are going to be things like your specialist copays, ambulance rides, um, skilled nursing care, some of those things that you know, are, are true and, and things that can cost more money. You're they going, don't jump you really out need, at you. Exactly, yeah, they don't jump out at you. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they're the ones that, you know, they're, they're the ones that are going to be seeing some of these increases. So you really need to pay closer attention. Now, things that we're starting to see this year continue to raise up are going to be those new and shinies. And so we're seeing huge investments being made into dental benefits. We're being huge investments being made into flex cards, which are like grocery benefits, over-the-counter drugs. Um, and, I'll, and, and I'll say that when we look at the utilization of those, of those benefits, it's actually really low utilization. Some of these plans are offering thousands of dollars a year in groceries and healthier groceries. And it gets your attention. You can get really excited about it. It's easy to sell that. But when you see people actually utilize those benefits, the utilization is quite low. So it grabs your attention, but it's not what you should be purchasing your plan off of. You really need to remember this is a health insurance. This buying this insurance is the difference between, you know, you recovering in a hospital or you recovering, you know, in a home or in a less than great situation. So you really need to remi remind yourself or be rem remembering that you need to pick a plan based on those benefits. A big example of that is going to be these Part B givebacks. People know like, uh, this is big commercials yeah, that everyone wants to talk about. Yeah, yeah. You used, and I know you did because we're both in the industry, yes. but you used a phrase that not everybody's going to know. So what is a Part B giveback? Like? Yes, a Part B giveback is one of, I'm sure you're hearing about it. It's everybody wants to talk about it. The Joe Namath and the J.J. Walker advertisements. What it is, is that the carriers are essentially saying, hey, if you enroll into this plan, then we will make sure that if you're getting your Part B, if you're paying for your Part B out of your Social Security, we'll just take less out of your Social Security. You'll see less of that being deducted from your Social Security account each month. Or if you're paying for your Part B via a check quarterly, they'll say, we're just going to bill you less. It's called a Part B give back. You're not actually receiving that money in your hand. They're just taking that money and deducting it from your Part B premium each month or each quarter. And so, and, and the interesting thing about those is that they are, again, when um, Deft Research has a, a lot of really valuable information. They survey the um, beneficiaries to try to figure out how, how are we thinking? What does the United States have to say about their insurance? And one of the top reasons why people are interested in shopping plans is for these Part B givebacks because they're new and shiny and they sound great. But keep in mind, again, insurance carriers are for-profit organizations. When they're using these new and shiny things, dental, travel, the, those flex cards we talked about, they're anticipating a lot of low utilization on those because that's what history has shown us. People don't use rebates. Part B givebacks or Part B rebates are 100% utilization. They are by far the most expensive 
bell and whistle that a carrier can offer because it's 100% utilization. We can imagine if Medicare continues to see a decrease in these plans and we can, we can, can, and the price of everything continues to go up, it's very likely that carriers are going to quit offering these bells and whistles, especially that Part B rebate, Part B um, give back. So if you're buying a plan and that's the reason why you're buying it, you're making, you know, if you're going from a Medicare supplement to a Medicare Advantage, especially, you're making a pretty permanent decision on something that could potentially be very temporary. So it's just extra things to consider when you're looking at buying health insurance. You're not buying a gym membership. You're buying health insurance. Yeah, I, I I always come back to a couple of things, and you and I have both been doing this for a long time. Of you want stability, right? Right. You you want stability in your premium. You want stability in your network. You want you, you don't want to have to mess with it. I mean, nobody mm-hmm. wants to nobody wants to mess with it every year. I get sure. it. Mm-hmm. Yet sometimes you're forced into messing with it. And I think what you're saying is, and tell me if I'm hearing this incorrectly, is that when you make that initial purchase of uh, in this case a Medicare Advantage plan really give some thought to how long that plan has been there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what that star rating looks like. Right. Um, 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 do the benefits look the same a year ago as they do next year or very similar? Because you're right, there are many examples around the country mm-hmm. of insurance companies open, opening up new plans with, mm-hmm. I think I call them in the book, um, you know, shiny objects. Don't get mm-hmm. blinded by shiny objects. You know, they'll offer... $5,000 worth of dental. Right. Okay. That's great. Sure. But what do the medical benefits look like? What do the prescription drug benefits look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned part B givebacks. Well, well, I just use the industry phrase. Basically <laughs> it gives you a credit on your, right. It gives you a little credit. It's actually not $0 premium. It is $0 right. premium. And they don't take as much out of your social security check mm-hmm. or your, or your, um, or what are you, if you're, if you have to pay it quarterly, then, sure. then you have to pay less. The, the, my impression is those benefits don't always last. Sure. And that's what I hear. I think you're saying too, yeah. is that uh, I, I, you know, I've seen Medicare Advantage plans that started in 2007 and they're mm-hmm. still here today. Mm-hmm. And I've seen Medicare Advantage plans that get introduced and two years later, they're deleted. Sure. They're gone. And when that happens, there's a scramble. So mm-hmm. they don't, they can't cancel you, but mm-hmm. they can cancel the plan you're on. And when that happens, you'll get a notice in the mail that says, hey, we're no longer offering that plan. Sure. In other words, if you do nothing, you're going to go right back to original Medicare and then you're forced to take action. Mm -hmm. So that's my extended way of kind of, I think, spitting back to you what I heard, which is be really intentional on the plan choice Mm -hmm. you're making on Medicare Advantage. Mm -hmm. Don't just pay attention to the bright, shiny objects. Pay attention to its stability, its longevity. Mm -hmm. And yes, its benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've got a good reason or a healthcare reason or need some dental work done or really attracted by some of these new things plans are offering, I think what you're saying is, yeah, take, consider it, but make sure it's ranked in your brain the appropriate way. And, and what I'm not saying is I don't, I don't want to demonize Medicare Advantage plans. They, Medicare Advantage plans can be fantastic options. Um, several of my friends, some of my people that I advise, they have Medicare Advantage plans because they looked at the benefits. They looked at the health care. They weighed their priorities. Where did they want to save money? Do they want to save money up front and willing to pay for it later in co-pays and other situations? Or were they wanting to work at the budget and spend a lot more up front with the Medicare supplement? So 
I don't want to come across saying like Medicare Advantage plans are bad. They are not. They are fantastic options for a lot of individuals out there, but you just have to know how to shop for them. And to the other point with Medicare, you know, talking about wanting stability. Medicare Advantage plans are not the only people or not the only companies or plans that have come in with that mindset. We're going to come in shiny and awesome and then get what we can for a couple of years and then we're going to get out of there. We've made our money. Now we're going to get out of there. You know, other other plans, including Medicare supplements, have done really similar things. They can come in with incredibly low premiums, you know, and, and look like, look at how much, how cheap we are. We're 50 bucks a month cheaper than our competition. Come by us wherever, you know, our plan G looks just like their plan G. But then a year, two years down the line, they start hiking up those premiums as well. So across when you're shopping for any insurance, regardless if it's a Medicare supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan, you need to make sure you're looking at more than just new and shiny. You need to look, make sure you're looking at more than just premium. And again, that's why it's really nice to have a true advisor to help guide you through that. Because you as a beneficiary, how are you supposed to know that? How are you supposed to know how to shop for that? That's why it's best to work with an expert when it comes to those, those questions. What other changes uh, in the Medicare Advantage space are you seeing that um, aren't well publicized or well known yet that people need to be looking for when they're opening their mail or considering their current or a different plan? Yeah, the biggest thing that can come to mind is with Medicare Advantage, but more so focuses on the prescription drug sides of things. And that's going to be check your formulary. There are some significant shakeup that on paper looks pretty cool and really awesome, but when you dig into what it actually means can be a little concerning. So prescription drug plans, um, we're looking at, again, when we're looking at prescription drug plans, we know those are carrier owned. There's not just like a Medicare drug coverage. You have to go through particular carriers for that. In the past, you know, we can expect to see some significant increases in just general cost for prescription drugs uh, this year, either by the premium of the plan or by the formulary. And I'll expand on that just a little bit. Let's start with premium. So we're seeing a huge increase across the board for drug plan premiums. I, and for example, last year, when we look at the national average of drug plan premium, the national average premium was about $33, give or take 50 cents. Going into 2024, that national average has almost doubled. We're seeing $64 as the national average premium. So a lot of people are going to look at that and be like, well, you know, I have a Medicare supplement. This affects my Medicare supplement people. Medicare Advantage clients, of course, that's built into that plan. So your Medicare supplement people might be a little anxious about, well, how do I pay for the Part B premium? How do I pay for my MedSup premium? Now I have this drug premium. So those same people are going to be really attracted to what we're seeing kind of at the exact opposite of this. You're going to look at these options and be like, well, this Olivia person told me everything's so expensive, but I'm seeing a drug plan here for a standalone drug plan that's 50 cents. That's completely $0. And so that's going to be really attractive to people. It's so imperative this year, regardless of what plans you've been on the past, please, please, please run your drug list. And when I say run your drug list, what I mean is look at your prescriptions you're taking that are long-term prescriptions or for your chronic conditions and make sure that that drug plan is going to continue to cover them at the costs that you are comfortable with and familiar with. When we're seeing these plans take their premiums to next to nothing, then they're making up for that cost somewhere. And oftentimes that means a lackluster formulary or maybe having to, taking advantage of the entire deductible when maybe they haven't in years past. 
I can get into the science as to why this is happening long. Nobody cares, you know, but long story short, what it comes down to is that the government is putting thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act put into place a couple years ago. The government's putting a lot of pressure on making prescriptions affordable and making drugs more affordable. And they're putting that pressure on insurance companies. And so huge. And so carriers are trying to find out, again, these are for profit companies. How do we help facilitate that cost? You're either going to see it in the premium this year, or you're going to see it in just formularies just dying off. Mm. And that approach is really a market approach that you described. So mm -hmm. if the if the insurance companies are being asked to cover more or more comprehensively drugs, prescription drugs, then one company might say like, okay, well, we'll cover the same or similar, but our premiums are going to go up by 50%. And sure. another company might go, well... We think there's a market opportunity here to, to build more customers. We're going to actually cut our monthly premiums, but our formularies and what we cover is going to be cut as well. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly. I mean, you, if you look at it from what makes sense business-wise, they really don't have an option. They have to they have to make um, a profit on this. And so it's going to, one or the other is going to be affected. Exactly what you said. So if there's this, um, you were talking about standalone Medicare Part D plans, which sure. are either is what you use if you're either option one, bear with Medicare, or mm -hmm. option or, or option two, bear with Medicare plus a plus a Part D plus a Medicare supplement. But also, sure. number three is impacted here too, which is Medicare Advantage, because as you know, Medicare Advantage takes medical benefits of A and B and mm -hmm. D and rolls them all into Part C, which is Medicare Advantage. So yeah. Part D within Medicare Advantage is probably impacted as well. If I have a Medicare Advantage plan, what should I be paying attention to specifically around my drug benefits embedded within it? Sure. So Medicare Advantage plans are actually getting hit twice as hard as your standalone prescription drug plans because there's something happening as well on the health side of things. So your Medicare supplement, they only have to worry about the health stuff. There's Part B um, claims are going up due to the effects. We're still seeing the effects of COVID, people delaying care, people delaying. So you're getting more serious diagnoses because people you know, are just now making those claims. And so with Medicare Advantage plans, not only do they have to handle the rising cost of health care and the rising cost of claims, Claims, especially for the turning 65 year olds, they're also having to figure out how are they going to pay for these uh, drugs, these drug benefits and, and handle the premium. And again, people know that what makes Medicare Advantage plans so attractive are going to be those really low, if not zero dollar premiums. So a lot of the times they don't have the opportunity or the option to raise up that drug cost because it's really difficult to go from a zero dollar premium to a $64 premium. So you're going to see them. Yeah, not you're going to lose a lot of customers that way. Exactly. Yeah. That's it's it's yep. a lot harder to go from zero to sixty four than it is to go from even like thirty to ninety. This the, the psychology behind it. So you're seeing these Medicare Advantage companies really have to cut elsewhere because a lot of them are going to be unwilling to get rid of the things that gain the market's attention, including the low premiums and the new and shiny, but they still have to do a cost for these drug plans. So I think a lot of that, what you're going to see is, um, again, a lot of these companies are really focusing on the dual special needs. What I mean by dual special needs are going to be people who have access to both Medicare and Medicaid, because Medicaid will help with, and with low income subsidy, will help kind of pick up that Part D bill, will kind of help pay for those prescriptions and the drugs. So you're seeing a lot of Medicare Advantage companies shift their focus into some of those more uh, specialized markets. And you're seeing some of the plans that are, again, designed for 
the average 65-year-old, 65 and up, you're seeing some of those plans maybe take some of those hits on what you mentioned earlier, those secondary benefits, those ones, the benefits that don't show up on the insurance card. Okay. Um, so pay attention to your what your Medicare Advantage plan is doing. Yes. Uh, because if your premium is staying the same, that probably warrants more inspection because yeah. the market has changed. The costs that the insurance company have to bear are greater than they were in prior years. Exactly. It's not going to be. And again, it's um, it's they're not going to affect the sexy benefits. They're not going to affect what people talk about, what Joe Namath and, and these advertisers are not going to affect what they're talking about. They're affecting your actual health care benefits. So it's really important. Again, there are still some wonderful plans out there, some amazing plans with really rich benefits. You just got to do a little bit more research than what you're probably used to doing. Yep. Makes sense. OK, I'm going to pivot to Medicare supplements. Okay. Because Medicare Part D and Medicare Part C, Medicare Advantage, really run by very similar rules, right? In the mm -hmm. annual election period, you can change your Medicare Advantage plan regardless of your health status during mm -hmm. this time. You can change your Part D plan regardless of your health status at this time. There's no underwriting. There are no medical questions. You just, you just go. If you're sure. in Plan A and want to move to Plan B between October 15th and December 7th, work with your agent, do it yourself. You can do it. No questions asked. This is your time. To, annual, to make your annual change. Sure. Medicare supplements don't play by those rules because Medicare supplements are state regulated. Yes, they're federally regulated, but they're state regulated at the state level. And they don't play by the same rules because A, they're older. They've been around for a very long time. Sure. So there's kind of, they're kind of entrenched, but, but B, they have different schedules. They don't have the same schedule. They don't have the same schedule of when you get your renewal letter and know what your rate is going to be for the next year. Sure. Um, whether or not the company's going to stay in business. I mean, it's a whole kind of other thing, even yeah. though it's part of the Medicare insurance ecosystem. Let's talk specifically about what you're seeing in the Medicare supplement space. Yeah. And I just want to remind everybody too, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, well, they've not talked about me or hit me at all. I'm a med set person. I will let you know that the number one time of year where people change Medicare supplement plans is in the fourth quarter, is during AEP because you're reviewing your drug plans and trying to find extra dollars. Um, so this does absolutely, this time of year absolutely still affects you, just not in the same way. The Medicare supplement market right now, for lack of a better term, is, they're a little nervous because of the popularity that Medicare Advantage plans have offered and the option of um, I can get great benefits and, and even more benefits and pay much less. The Medicare supplement, what we're seeing right now because of Again, a couple factors that come into it. I know we're all sick and tired of talking about COVID, but COVID is a lot of, of a lot of it's affecting Medicare supplements right now, um, as well as again the growing popularity popularity of Medicare Advantage, and finally our turning sixty fivers, our baby boomers who are finally reaching Medicare age. To go into that a little bit more, what we're seeing for trends, let's just focus on the turning 65ers. What we're seeing as a pretty significant trend is that what used to be the most popular, the most profitable book of business for insurance companies are actually causing the biggest losses. These, um, the turning 65ers on, on average are actually costing these insurance companies a lot of money. And that is because the claims that they are submitting are by far outweighing the premium that they're paying in. 
So they're costing these insurance companies dollars, not making them dollars. And it's completely completely understandable why. We're finding that many people turning 65 are delaying significant surgeries, either because they want to wait until they're on their Medicare benefits or because they want to wait until they retire and actually have time to recover from that. So that's something that the insurance companies are having to adjust to. What used to be most profitable is now starting to see like, hey, this is actually, you know, they're changing their marketing strategy. They're saying, we maybe don't want the 65-year-olds. We may not have the nicest premiums for the 65-year-olds. We'll be more attractive to people who've been on Medicare for a while. And so what a lot of people are seeing with that is um, higher entry cost, higher cost to a Medicare supplement than what they may have been led to believe was going to actually happen to them. Um, And then you're also seeing maybe some more premium increases down the road because they have to make up for that loss for the 65ers. They have to make up for that somewhere. So you're seeing, again, we kind of hit on this earlier, but companies that are coming out saying, we're going to come out really competitive, really affordable, really cheap. You're starting to see a, a year or two in, they have to accommodate and you start seeing some rate increases. So if you're in a state that you know offers these guarantee issue rules, you know, we're talking about these anniversary rules, we haven't really hit on that yet. But a lot of these states are seeing that that seeing our people are getting enrolled into these plans, and then having some significant rate increases that they just can't afford. So so states are trying to again, these are state ran, they're trying to cut a lot of these beneficiaries a break by saying, Okay, so for example, I'm from Missouri. So we have and this is not a new rule for us, but we have what's called the Missouri anniversary rule. That means at my policy anniversary, I can switch to any plan that I or any carrier that I want, but I have to stay with my same plan. So if I'm on a plan G with Mutual of Omaha during my anniversary, I can switch to a plan G with United Healthcare and not have to go through any medical underwriting. That sounds amazing. That sounds really awesome. It sounds like you're giving seniors or excuse me, beneficiaries an opportunity to, to you know, shop and, and remain uh, remain on low cost plans. But if you look at Missouri's premiums compared to somebody like Kansas where they don't have those rules. Kansas premiums as a whole are a lot lower than ours because they don't have to accommodate for those loss ratios because there's not a bunch of people, sick people switching plans. And so if you are in a state that's recently reviewing what those rules are, I'm looking at Illinois, Missouri, Louisiana, um, uh, Nevada, there's so many of them that are coming out. Oklahoma just launched one. Just be prepared that that sounds great on paper, but you might be expecting to see some rate increases that you may have not been familiar with in years past. A very good point, and you're right. The states are making those rules for the for the benefit of the beneficiary, Absolutely. right? Because if you don't have those anniversary date or those birthday date rules in there that mm-hmm. you can do in your particular state, what you just described, which is mm-hmm. all right. I turned sixty five. I bought product A, a plan G. That's up plan G. Turned seventy. Uh, I don't like this company anymore, or my mm-hmm. rates are going up. What else is out there? In 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 non-birthday rule or non-anniversary states, you're kind of stuck. If you can't answer health questions, if you're, you know, right. if you're 72 years old and still running marathons, you're fine. But yeah, you can go you through have- medical underwriting with another carrier exactly. and get it. But if you're not running marathons right. and you're getting over cancer or had a heart attack or had a stroke, you're going to be in that med sub program unless you drop it and go back to original Medicare. Absolutely. So what I think states are doing and what you're saying is I don't like that. And they want to give people the option to switch plans and save money, which is great from the consumer standpoint. Absolutely. The problem with that is you're right. The insurance companies know that and see that and are going to price accordingly. Um, Mm -hmm. Because here's another way I'll explain it. And this kind of goes back to Medicare Advantage and D and you touched on it. 
when you're on a Medicare Advantage or a Medicare Part D plan, the federal government is sending a certain amount of money, and I'll say subsidizing that care by sending some money to the insurance carrier, mm-hmm. right? In addition to whatever premium you're paying to pay for your care. Right. The Medicare supplement plan isn't getting any of that. No. So if you have a $200 monthly premium, right, that's going to be $2,400 a year for the insurance company. And you go, oh, that's a lot of money to the insurance company. Mm-hmm. It is. Unless you go into the hospital in that year and charge $500,000. Yeah. Those numbers don't work for anyone. I mean, right. if you're running a small business <laughs> and you have $2,400 of income, I'm yet you have $500,000 worth of expenses. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a math whiz either. But you get the point, right? So there is no subsidy. There is no additional funding. So basically, it's old school insurance, right? You have a pool of people. You know, the healthy ones have to pay the $2,400 a month or to, a year, right? And not use it to help the other people who are also paying $2,400 a month, but charging $500,000. That's kind of the whole like people in the pool. And the more people in the pool you have, the fuller mm-hmm. it becomes. The more one or two people in the pool get sick, well, they're fine because everybody else is paying for them. Sure. That's and, and, and when that breaks down or people leave the pool in these state-based rules, carriers are left with some options. Mm-hmm. Take losses, right? active losses, real money, or raise rates. And right. that's what you're saying. That's what that's what it's looking like they're doing. And it's magnified because unless you're in a community's aged or community rated state, the people who are paying the lowest premium are people with the highest costs or the people who are experiencing the most claims. So your 65 year olds, because they're they're aged younger, they're it's assumed that they're healthier. And that's how the actuaries and that's how they build these rates. But when we're seeing that people are waiting until they get onto their Medicare and Medicare supplement to submit these claims and to have these procedures done, the most money being spent is coming from the people who are paying the least amount in. So it just kind of magnifies that effect. Yeah. That's not a great, that's not, that's not a great scenario. You just I don't want to like bring it down and be sad. It's still it's, it's just incredible research and just trends to keep in mind. Yeah. No, that's that's really good. So if someone is thinking this time of year, uh, and I get this question all the time, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's kind of a cost-benefit analysis, but it's also like, um, it's a hard question to answer. Mm-hmm. If someone is thinking of moving off a Medicare supplement because they've been on it for whatever, two, three, five, six years, mm-hmm. and the rates have gone up, and they'll, you know, they'll get another renewal notice and say, oh, surprise, it's another 14%. <laughs> right. And they go, gosh, darn it. You know, my neighbors are on these programs, but I'm a little suspicious of it. It's unfamiliar. Medicare supplements, easy, right? Mm-hmm. No provider networks, <laughs> right? You, you, on a plan G, all you have to do is satisfy your part D deductible. And then you don't pay any more in medical. Like it's, it's, they're sweet. I mean, we call them in the industry Cadillac plans because sure. that's what they are. They, so they're very little. Gets. Yep. Easy as it gets and mm-hmm. provides the most, I'll say comprehensive financial protection mm-hmm. that, that you can't. But those premiums are real, and especially if it's mom and dad. Right. And you're saying, you know, that's two premiums a month you're paying, and Part D is going up potentially. That's a lot of money coming out of your pocket now. Um, um, that, you know, regardless if you get a Social Security check increase this year or not, it's a lot of that's going to be eaten up by the increases to your premiums. So someone's in this scenario and they're going, I'm on a med sup, I love it, but man, I don't love the prices. Yeah. If they're thinking of moving to a Medicare Advantage, what thought process should yeah. they what should they take? What what thought process should they could they embark upon? 
I love that question because I think um, something that we find really interesting is that deft research has actually looked at this demographic of people saying like if, you know, people who they call them the switchers went from a Medicare supplement to a Medicare Advantage. And they're finding that over half of the individuals ended up regretting it, not because the plan was a bad plan, but because they were undereducated about what that move actually meant. So I do, I work with a lot of people who have moved from that Medicare supplement and made the jump into Medicare Advantage plan and have been incredibly happy doing so. Unfortunately, there isn't a a blanket answer for this because every situation is different based on, again, lifestyle and budget and honestly what you have as a priority. The one thing I would mention if if people were asking me this question, because I do, I do get this question and it's simply taking a look and saying, what when do you want to pay? When do you want to pay this money? Are you okay? And how do you want to budget your healthcare fund? Do you want to pay for it in the beginning, knowing that the rest of it is taken care of? Or do you want to say, let's go ahead and save this money away. And instead of putting this premium here, let me save it for a rainy day and make sure that if, if I do go in the hospital for an extended stay, if I do have to see somebody on my network, I feel comfortable being able to cover that after the fact. Am I am I disciplining myself well enough to know that I'm not paying it here, but I may have to pay it back there? Either answer is a good answer. It just has to be what's right for your priorities. The other thing I would mention is that if you are wanting to say like, I'm hearing a lot about this, this seems pretty, I need a significant amount of dental work done, or I need, you know, I, I really am interested in, in paying, you know, a $0 premium on this. What I would, would say to them is, is this your first time ever going on a Medicare Advantage plan and really look at the history of their coverage? Because you may not know, you may have, you may not know what you've had in the past. But what CMS has done is allowed people kind of, they call it a trial right period. That if you've been on a Medicare supplement, I don't care if you've been on a Medicare supplement for one years or 15 years, if you've only been on a Medicare supplement plan, they give you 12 months to kind of look at what it's like to have a Medicare Advantage plan. If within that next 12 months, you say, you know what? Uh, I don't like it. It's not what I thought it was going to be. My doctor just left the network because that can happen in the middle of the year. Then you have a 12-month window to go back to that same Medicare supplement company and that same Medicare supplement uh, plan and basically act like never nothing ever happened. You can then enroll in a standalone drug plan and it's kind of all is forgiven. We kind of pretend like the last five, six months, whatever, however long you're on there, pretend like that didn't happen. The exception to that is if you're on a really old Medicare supplement and they no longer offer that company or that plan anymore, then you do get what they call a guarantee issue right to try another Medicare supplement company or plan. Um, but we do, again, that, that does happen. So if you want to try a Medicare Advantage plan for the first time, just be conscious you do have an opportunity, but it's only 12 months. So get the most out of it, see if you actually like it, and then we can put you back on that med sub makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, let's flip it. Let's flip it. Let's say I'm on a Medicare Advantage and sure. I'm past my uh, guarantee issue rate, right? I'm, I'm 70, 72. Mm-hmm. And I've been on a Medicare Advantage for a year or two or three or four. And I don't like it. And I do want to change uh, my coverage to a Medicare supplement. What's that process look like? Yeah, absolutely. So what's funny about that process is that timing is everything. So know that if you are, you know, you've been on the Medicare Advantage plan, you no longer qualify for a trial, right? Then what you will have to do is you will have to answer medical questions, which means that you have to qualify for that Medicare supplement. The last thing you want to happen is to enroll into a Medicare supplement, enroll into a standalone drug plan, and then come January 1st, you find out that, well, 
this condition, we don't cover that, or you were denied coverage due to your health or something that you may not even be familiar with. And come January 1, you now have original Medicare. You're in that first option we talked about, the Medicare and you. You have A and B, and you're covering everything else outside of the drug stuff. So timing is everything when it comes to this. If you are wanting to make that route, you have two options. If it's early in AEP, I'm talking October 15th through like November 10th would probably be where I would feel safe doing this. If you're in that first few weeks of AEP, go ahead and submit a Medicare supplement applications. Go ahead and qualify underwriting. Work with an agent to find out which company is right for you. Once you get told, yes, we accept you, you're healthy enough, here's the premiums that we're going to have for you and you're happy with that, then go ahead and enroll in a standalone drug plan. What a lot of people don't know is that when you enroll in a standalone drug plan, CMS will say, well, you can't do that. You can't have a Medicare Advantage plan and a drug plan. You submitted this drug plan. We're going to go ahead and kick you off this Advantage plan effective January 1st. So if everything goes to plan, January 1st, you have A and B of Medicare, your Medicare supplement, and your drug plan. If you miss that window, and the reason why I give that window is because sometimes when you have to answer medical questions, Medicare supplement companies can take a long time to actually go through and, and underwrite you. They can take a long time to make a decision because they're really busy. So if you miss that window, then we have something called the open enrollment period, not to be confused with the annual enrollment period, which again, yeah, but as I said, yeah, they are two different things. It drives they me are. nuts that people use them as, as, as synonyms. They're not they're, the same. They're thing. not interchangeable. Mem they have memo to Medicare different. marketing people in, in Baltimore. Stop calling it the OEP in Someone December and November and October. It's not. <laughs> Someone fix it. But Use your own acronym. It's the exactly. annual election period, the AEP. Well, All right, go so ahead. I'll get confused. off my high horse. No, no. But like, to your point, there. did you know, again, I'm sure you know this, but to our listeners, there are three different types of OEP, none of them including the AEP, which people use interchangeably. There is three types of OEP. This is maddening and, of course, so confusing. Yep. But the OEP that I'm referring to, which is referring to Medicare Advantage OEP, goes from January 1st to March 31st. And I call this kind of the mistake-fixing one. Now, this will only affect people who are in a Medicare Advantage plan going on January 1st. If you are in a standalone drug plan, this doesn't affect you whatsoever. So those people who are on a Medicare Advantage plan starting January 1st, they get a one more chance. They get a one more chance to be like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to be on this particular plan? And during that time, a uh, beneficiary can then underwrite through a Medicare supplement plan. Then they have a little bit more time. You have three months at this point. You can enroll into a Medicare supplement then once your plan and only once you are confirmed that your plan has been approved and you have coverage, Go ahead and enroll in that drug plan. It'll kick you off the Medicare Advantage plan and you can go throughout the year um, on your Medicare supplement. And if you are somebody who's worried about the premiums of your MedSup, worried about the premiums of your prescription drug plan, there's a lot of money saving things that you can do. Um, one of my favorite check or one of my favorite websites is actually benefitscheckup.org. It is a website that you can go to as an organization. I am not, you know, I'm, I'm promoting it because I've used it with our own clients, but it's, you're able to go on there and try to find different ways to uh, pay for different services. It's not Medicare related, but they can help you find ways to pay for things like um, maintenance that you need in your home. They can help you find ways to pay for those really high cost uh, drugs that maybe is a tier four, tier five, maybe it's too expensive with your drug plan. So finding alternative ways to help pay for those plans. So it's a really awesome way to kind of find extra money to where you don't have to be so concerned with your rising cost of healthcare. Because at the end of the day, if we don't have access to healthcare, 
that's pretty scary. We don't have access to a lot. So a lot needs to be considered when you're making those choices. Uh, that's a great call out. There are lots of state-based, federal-based, <laughs> local community-based resources that can help out in a lot of ways. Sure. Premiums, drugs, benefits, uh, assisted living, caregiver help. It's all, and, and you're right, benefitscheckup.org is a great place. And there are others, but that's a great place. And I know a lot of uh, insurance agents use them. Sure. Before I move off med subs real fast. Yeah. If I'm thinking of buying a Medicare supplement and mm -hmm. I do find myself in a situation where I'm going to need to be underwritten, are there rules of thumb that, um, that apply? In other words, I already mentioned a couple of them. If you've had a heart attack, you're mm -hmm. probably not going to be accepted. If you've mm -hmm. had a stroke, if you've had cancer, you're probably not going to be accepted. Are there broad and general rules like that? You're like, you're not going to be accepted. So you probably should stay on original Medicare or get a Medicare advantage. Yeah. Are a couple of them that are going to be obviously your significant intense, um, diseases or, or illnesses in stage renal disease, you're going to have a hard time. A lot of mental illnesses, um, diagnosable, again, uh, intense mental illnesses might be something that you need to double check. What's really interesting is that a lot of carriers have really loosened up. I think what MedSup carriers are doing to try to recover from losing a lot of the market share to Medicare Advantage plans is that they're coming out with these niche products. For example, diabetes. If somebody was insulin-dependent diabetic, five, 10 years ago, they were pretty much on like a non-insurable list. However, right now, if you're taking less than 100 units of insulin, there's several plans out there that are happy to accept you and have that calculated into their premium. So they're not worried about your insulin dependency. So my recommendation is it never hurts to double check. Um, again, if you have had been diagnosed or receiving, another one is like, are you currently receiving treatment for something? So if you are, um, let's say you're getting, in, or not insulin shots in your knee, that would be weird. If you're getting, <laughs> um, what is that gel cortisone shots for your knees yep. or joint things like that? A lot of companies will consider that ongoing treatments. So if you're receiving or if you're currently in physical therapy, if you're currently receiving cancer treatments or have in the last two to five years, a lot of carriers will say, well, that's an ongoing thing. That's a pre-existing thing. We don't want to start taking over that cost. Um, but if you've had a break in treatments or you haven't received treatments in the last two years for a lot of carriers, then they oftentimes are completely fine with with that previous diagnosis. So it's always, it never hurts to double check. It never hurts. Um, if you, again, in some significant chronic illnesses, you may have a harder time, but it never hurts to double check. Yeah. And um, each company has its own rules in Medicare supplements. So right. company A may say no, but company B maybe may say yes. Company Absolutely. C may, may say yes, but your premium's going up or we're not going to cover this for a, a period of time or whatever. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, then I'll just say it because this is, you know, I think this is, I mean, this is what I would recommend to my family members. Sure. If that's your case, use an agent. Your agent is going to know this stuff. Your agent's going to mm -hmm. walk you through this instead of going to 85 carrier websites and trying to figure it <laughs> and making 85 applications. I got you. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a real benefit of it, of using an agent that knows what he or she is doing. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't say it loud enough. Um, agents, they, they're in it, they eat it, they breathe it. Most of the time you're working with somebody who's independent, then they're able to look across many different carriers and they're not 
they're working for you and you, the beneficiary, you're not paying them. The carriers pay the agents because they want to make sure that the agent is taking care of you. It's really important to work with an agent because then when there are issues, when this, a claim doesn't get filed right, or when um, you have questions about your medications, you're not calling 1-800-MEDICARE. You're not calling an 800 number. You're calling the person who helped you with that plan. So I am a huge advocate. Um, I'm passionate. I guess I didn't realize how passionate I was until this exact moment, but I'm really passionate about making sure people are using insurance agents because it is in your benefit for sure. Um, I didn't ask this earlier and I had it in my notes, but I'm going to ask it now because I already know the answer to it, but I want you to say it. Um, <laughs> if you're on a Medicare Advantage plan, we already talked about what costs are now being borne out by Medicare insurance companies, mm -hmm. all types of Medicare insurance companies. Um, there's something that I write about in the book a lot and probably not only because it's really important and people miss it, but also because it's really fun to say, and that's the MOOP, the MOOP, the MOOP, the MOOP, <laughs> yes. uh, the MOOP stands for maximum out of pocket MOOP. Mm. I'm going to say it again. MOOP. MOOP. A MOOP has to be on every Medicare Advantage plan. Mm -hmm. Which means it's kind of like when you're, you know, if you're, if you're on your, your employer's insurance, right? At some point in there, there's a little line that says, you know, they call it stop loss or maximum out. Well, yeah, maximum annual year, maximum. Basically, mm -hmm. like if you have a really bad health year and you pay 10,000 bucks after you're out of pocket is $10,000, we cover hundred percent. Like we're not going to make you pay $150,000. At some point, the insurance companies go, okay, you've had enough this is your maximum financial exposure. You've paid mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. We're going to take it from here, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Same thing, same concept in Medicare Advantage. Every plan has to have a MOOP. And if you have a, a plan like a PPO, that MOOP can be in network lower than out of network. Mm -hmm. So if you're going out of network, the costs are higher. The maximum out of pocket is greater. If you stay in network, costs are typically lower and the maximum out of pocket is typically lower. Right. A couple of years ago, very quietly, the Medicare CMS allowed insurance companies to raise that MOOP mm -hmm. and they're doing it again in 2024, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Have you seen, looking into your crystal ball, in all the plans and all the states and all the people you talk to, have you seen carriers going up to that MOOP limit and increasing that as part of what they're trying to do to tackle the, the healthcare costs? It's what we have gotten used to in years past is saying the MOOP's up here, but we're going to keep it right here, right? And, and just a reminder, Medicare Advantage plans have these MOOPs. Original Medicare does not. So on paper, like having a max amount of pocket is absolutely better than not having a max amount of pocket. Correct. But the idea is that we're used to people saying, yes, there's a ceiling over here, but for the majority of our plans, we're going to keep that ceiling down here. We can choose to say, yes, we're going to go all the way up or we're just going to keep it at this lower level. So what you're saying is, and I say this actually yeah. everywhere, I'm like, yeah. look at your MOOP. And if it goes above $4,000, you need to shop. Um, but that MOOP yeah. maximum that can be there is getting higher and higher. Sorry, go yes. ahead. No, no. What I'm saying is that you're exactly right, is that people, the plans this year 
are starting to actually utilize in that that ceiling. You're starting to see that people are taking the maximum allowed, maximum out of pocket, and applying that to their own plans. And 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 again, being really quiet about that, uh, not necessarily wanting to advertise at their maximum out of pocket. So what we have been seeing are the plans with the Part B givebacks, these rebates we talked about earlier, these plans with the five thousand dollar dentals. We're seeing those plans take the cost out on that maximum out of pocket. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. So making sure that when you are shopping for your plans, look at those maximum out of pockets. And you know what? You may decide that like, hey, this maximum out of pocket, um, you know, when we're, same thing with Medicare supplement premiums. Your Medicare supplement premium annually may be less than that maximum out of pocket. So you want to look at that when you're comparing your meds up to a Medicare Advantage plan. But for the Medicare Advantage plan, again, those can change year to year. They are changing this year. They are going up in some cases pretty dramatically. So definitely something to pay attention to that you may not may not have had to in years past. Um, I could I could talk to you for obviously another hour. Um, <laughs> but um, let me ask just a, a couple of other questions that yeah. I think are are germane. Um, we didn't really touch on provider networks much. Sure. You, what you said was true, which is, yeah, provider networks aren't set annually. If mm -hmm. a doctor moves, leaves, decides they don't want to be a part of the network, they can quit mid-year. And so mm -hmm. you can be stuck. Stuck is the wrong word. You can have your Medicare Advantage plan, for example, mm -hmm. that uses a network. Mm -hmm. And you're going to your doctor and you can walk in in June and the doctor goes, yep, we don't take that anymore. Uh, you can't change. You're going to have that plan until you decide to change it mm -hmm. and find one that's in the doctor or in, in, the, in the network or find another doctor. And that's just the way it is. It's not a nice, that's one of, I think the downfalls or the annoyances of Medicare Advantage is they do come with HMO and PPO networks. Mm -hmm. Medicare supplements don't. All they have to do is accept Medicare assignment. And that's 99% you know, ish of all doctors and, and hospital sure. systems out there. So that's a, it's a, it can be a big, big difference. It could absolutely Our, be a big difference for sure. Uh, that's the, one of the top reasons why we see people go the med sub route isn't financial at all. It's freedom to know that I don't care if I have a grandkid in New York and a grandkid in, in California and I'm taking my RV back and forth. I want to make sure if I need help, I need medical care. I can see it without having to work with paperwork. And so finance, I mean, that's what we're seeing. A trend that we're seeing is that finances actually are, are not a lot of the reason why people are shopping med subs versus advantages. It's, it, it is that choice and that freedom. So if you're in a Medicare and I agree with you hundred percent, uh, mm -hmm. when I, and that comes back to your lifestyle, right? You yes. keep saying, what's your lifestyle. It's not just what, how sick or unsick or, you know, how well or unwell are you? How many prescriptions do you have? You know, what are they? Yes. Mm -hmm. And how do you, what's your life like? Yes. Do you run? Do you travel? Do you mm -hmm. visit? Do you go overseas? I mean, this is all the 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 mental math you have to put yourself through, not just dollars and cents. Anyway, I digress. Um, what have you been seeing trend wise around Medicare Advantage networks? Have you yeah. have you seen them getting bigger? Have you seen them getting smaller? Have you seen them becoming more in line with certain hospital systems versus others? Are they get yeah? Are they getting bigger? Are they getting smaller? Is company A, does company A have a completely different one in, let's, you're, you're in Missouri, I'll say mm -hmm. St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Does company A have their own set in, in their networks and company B has a completely different set and they don't yeah. share? Like what, what, are, what does the network thing look like over the years? I love that question because it's actually you're seeing 
completely different things happening at the exact same time, but they are still trends. And so when we're talking about these, I call them the big boys, we're talking about your UHCs, Aetnas, Humanas, you know, your big guys in the, in the field, we're seeing their provider networks actually expand. They're introducing something people, it depends on the carrier, um, but called national networks that are saying that it doesn't matter if you're in Missouri, Florida, or California. If you find somebody that accepts our company, they don't have to accept your certain plan. They just have to accept our company. And so there's really opening up for my travelers out there. It's really opening up Medicare Advantage as, as a good appeasing option for them because that network has tremendously expanded. On the other side of that, whenever we're seeing new carriers enter the industry, new Medicare Advantage plans, we're actually seeing um, really reduced networks, and they're calling them value-based providers. That's okay. what I'm trying to say. You're really starting to see these smaller Medicare Advantage companies, these more, and I say smaller. When I may say smaller, I mean regional. These more regional Medicare Advantage plans, we're starting to see them form really tight-knit relationships with the provider. So they're not accepting as many, but we're saying the ones that we do work with, we work with incredibly closely. So that eliminates things like the waiting periods or, or um, when people have to go like through some of the step therapies. And, and when you work with somebody who is one of those, again, those value-based providers, those ones that are working really with a limited network, you're actually seeing better client care because the provider and the carriers, you don't, it's, it's a slower waiting period for a carrier to actually approve a procedure. Um, and oftentimes the carrier doesn't need prior, prior authorization. Oh my gosh, that was so hard to think of. They yep. don't require prior authorization um, in a lot of these smaller networks. So, so you are seeing, again, to, to answer the question, you're seeing the trend on either side. It just depends on what's important and the lifestyle of that consumer. If they want immediate care, really focused care, but a Medicare Advantage plan is appealing to them, then the smaller regional carriers with the narrow networks are really solid options. They're amazing. But if you have somebody that's, again, a Medicare Advantage plan is appealing to them, but they want more of that freedom, then some of those larger carriers offering the national networks might be a good option for them. What a wonderful answer and very insightful. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Of so course. even within Medicare Advantage plans and mm -hmm. Medicare Advantage companies, the way they the way you're able to consume your healthcare benefits can be very different based upon the network you have access to and the type of providers that are in that network. It's, it's a rabbit hole. Let me tell you, if we have seven or eight more hours, I could be happy to educate you. No, and I, and I know you know all of this, but it's just, again, points to why it's so important to work with somebody who does keep up to date with this. Because how on earth are you a beneficiary supposed to know this stuff? Yeah, uh, I, I, I made this up. So I'm, I'm a little proud of it, but I see from GED to PhD, this stuff is confusing for everybody. Yes, absolutely. I love that. I'm going to seal that for sure. <laughs> please, please, please take it. Um, listen, Olivia, this has been really comprehensive. Um, uh, I, that's so much information. And you, you know what? I don't know it all. Um, I learn stuff every day. I learn stuff in this conversation because even though we both have done this for well over a decade, mm -hmm. it's changing all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's our jobs to keep up with it. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, and, and, you know, it's a lot to keep up with. So this has been really clarifying, I hope, for a lot of people listening and watching, but also for me. So really, thank you very much. What question about Medicare did I not ask that I should have? Yeah. Um, you know, the only thing that I think I would want to talk about, maybe for another episode, I'd love to come back, um, but it's going to be all the things 
that Medicare doesn't cover, which I think is actually more important than a lot of the conversations we have about Medicare supplements, advantage plans, and drug plans, is making sure that you are, as a beneficiary, protecting yourself against things like the costs of cancer, things like medical, you know, things associated with your teeth, gums, knowing that hearing loss is actually uh, one of the number one causes of depression in people over the age of 65. And these are things that you could help finance and help protect yourself against but they're not the questions that people are asking is how do I protect myself against, you know, the non-medical costs of cancers and things like that. So there's so much more to discuss. Um, and I just think that I, if, if to everybody listening here today, I encourage you to ask your client, agent, what does Medicare, where is Medicare leaving me a little high and dry? Because there's a lot out there that's not being discussed. I agree with you. Um, long-term care is the biggie. It, Medicare it, doesn't cur- t- cover long-term care. No, um, and it, the it's transition. So yeah, the transition, like short-term care. Everybody mm-hmm. knows long-term care, right? We all know how expensive it is sure. and how hard it is to get underwritten and, and, and how many companies don't offer it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, short-term care, coming out of sk- oh, the hospital and skilled nursing and transitioning back into the home, there are mm-hmm. gaps there. Absolutely. Um, some of those gaps, I list all of the gaps in, in my books. And so I can't remember them all, but they're all there. And there's a lot. <laughs> I can't remember them all because there's a lot. Um, but there's a lot of areas and a lot of ways to at least partially financially protect you or prepare for them that you're right. We didn't discuss the gaps of original Medicare, some of which are covered in Medicare Advantage plans or sure. attempt to be covered, but some sure. not. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to have you on to talk about those again. But also, I want to do this again next year. This is a fantastic, sure. fantastic uh, refresher for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to guess there are quite a number of Medicare insurance agents listening as well. So hello sure. to you. You do great work. Thank you. Thank uh, you. But from a consumer standpoint, uh, this has been really, really helpful. Um, and um, I want to thank you very much for the time. Well, I can't say again, the amount of respect that I have for you, that the industry has for you. Um, Ah. You're a published author. Congratulations. And getting out there and actually helping the beneficiaries and and answering the questions that people are are asking are asking. So huge honor to be on. I can't wait to do it again. And I can't say thank you enough. It's been wonderful. Oh, shucks. You're too (laughs) kind. You're going to make me blush. All right. uh, Enough of of those compliments. Uh, (laughs) Olivia, thank you very much. This was great. And uh, thanks so much for being on. Of course. Thank you. The Matt Fair Show, related content, publications, and MF Media LLC is in no way associated, endorsed, or authorized by any governmental agency, including the Social Security Administration, the Department of Health and Human Services, or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. The Matt Fair Show is in no way associated with, authorized, approved, endorsed, nor in any way affiliated with any company, trademark names, or other marks mentioned or referenced in or on The Matt Fair Show. Any such mention is for purpose of reference only. Any advice, generalized statistics, or opinions expressed are strictly those of the host and guests of The Matt Ferret Show. Although every effort has been made to ensure the contents of The Matt Ferret Show and related content are correct and complete, laws and regulations change quickly and often. The ideas and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferret Show aren't meant to replace the sage advice of healthcare, insurance, financial planning, accounting, or legal professionals. You are responsible for your financial decisions. It is your sole responsibility to independently evaluate the accuracy, correctness, or completeness of the content, services, and products of, and associated with, The Mad Ferret Show, 
MF Media LLC, and any related content or publications. The thoughts and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferret Show are those of the host and The Matt Ferret Show guests only, and are not the thoughts and opinions of any current or former employer of the host or guests of The Matt Ferret Show, nor is The Matt Ferret Show made by, on behalf of, or endorsed or approved by any current or former employer of the host or guests of The Matt Ferret